if this is your first time in Good News Gathering, you received an outline, which is another piece of paper in that, in that bulletin this morning. But it's, it's a white sheet with holes punched on the side, and that will help you uh, follow along with this morning's lesson. And we'll get to that in just a few moments. But today what we're going to do is we're going to continue to focus our, 20, our attention on our 2020 theme word, which is the word family. And when you think about that word family, that, that word is jam-packed with meaning. I think it's a word that we understand on more than one level. It's, it's a word that we can understand intellectually. I mean, I mean, most of us could probably sit down and draft a definition of the word family, what it, what it means. But perhaps, and more significantly, it's a word that we feel. Not just think or understand, but it's a word that we feel. It's, it's an emotional word when you think about it. Because it it touches upon who we are, our history, our background, who we belong to, our place in the world. It touches on all of those things. And when we speak of family, assuming, of course, at this point that it's working right, okay, there's a sense that I'm known, I'm a part of, I'm a member of, these are my people. It's an integral part of of my identity. It shapes and to some degree defines who I am and who you are. And now again, if it's it's working right, we're going to assume that for just a moment, there's a bond, there's a trust, there's a comfort level. And And I would imagine that probably all of you know exactly what I'm thinking about, especially if you grew up with siblings. I mean, you know what it's like. You, you could fight with your siblings like cats and dogs, right? I, I remember at one point, my, my older brother, he's about three or four years older than me, and, and it got to the point where our dad actually bought us boxing gloves for Christmas. And he told us, I don't want to hear it anymore. Take it out back and settle it outside. Now, my brother being three or four years old, older than me had a distinct reach advantage, which is why I went into the legal profession, because I had to learn how to negotiate really quick. It took one boxing match for me to figure out I could not win. Um, but if somebody outside the family took a shot at me, I knew Reg had my back. That, that was, there was no question. That's family. And it feels good to belong. Now, when the family isn't working right, there's a disconnect. There's a sense of isolation. Maybe you could even go so far as to say alienation. That unifying bond isn't there. And because of that, there's a lack of trust. There's a a discomfort level in the relationship. It's crushing to feel like you don't belong. To have that question in the back of your mind, who, who, are my, who are my people? Now, last week we learned that according to the Bible, you and I belong. In fact, the Bible couldn't be any clearer about this. You and I are created beings, beings that are created in the image of God, and you and I were created to belong. There's this innate desire in all of us to belong, and it reflects the fact that we are created by a relational God. 
God is in relationship within himself. Christians notice the Trinity, one God in three coexistent and co-eternal persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all God, all three persons, yet one. In a sense, God is a social being within himself, and we, created in his image, are social beings as well. Not only are we created by a relational God, but we are created for relationship with God. See, see, the God that we know from the Bible is not some impersonal force. The force be with you. He's not some uninvolved or uninterested creator who wound the universe up like a, a clock and shoved it out into space and walked away. No, he sent his son into our world in order to connect with us, to relate to us. And thirdly, we are created for relationship with others. In fact, the Bible describes the church as a new kind of family, a spiritual family, a family in which anyone can belong. Anyone who accepts Christ as their Savior and Lord. That's the bond that bonds people into this family. It's a family in which things that so easily divide the world at large, things like race, gender, ethnicity, nationality, those things within the church family should be overcome by the power of Christ. The Bible says it this way about the church family. It says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. And then it says this, very interesting. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. And you have to understand that in, in the world at that time, first century, the Jews felt like the world was divided in two groups of people, Jews and non-Jews, which they called Gentiles. And the non-Jews were lower. They weren't on the same level. But Paul says there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, last week I made the statement that as descendants of the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, there is only one race, the human race. There aren't different races. The truth is, if you go back far enough, we're all related. We're all equal before God and equally in need of the same Savior, Jesus Christ. Biblically speaking, when you think about it, since we're all descendants of a common ancestor, Adam and Eve, biblically speaking, there is no justification for racism because there's only one race. You know, what's fascinating is science is finally confirming this biblical point of view. Did you know that? In an article written in the New York Times, and this was written back in 2000, so this is not new news. This is old news, guys. A lot of people haven't figured this one out yet. But the article said, scientists at the National Institutes of Health recently announced that they had put together a draft of the entire sequence of the human genome. And the researchers had unanimously declared 
There is only one race, the human race. Wow. There's no question that historically speaking, even the church hasn't always gotten this right. Some have referred to Sunday morning as the most segregated time of the week in, in, in the United States. And that is just flat sad. It's almost like we are programmed, and some people think it's, it's, it's specifically true of American culture, that we're programmed, even in the church, to focus on differences in external appearance. And we tend to divide based on those differences. Again, it's sad. But you know, I was thinking about it the other day. I recall when I was little being taught a children's song at church. And the song went like this. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Think about that song. Red and yellow, black and white. We focus on differences, even in children's songs. You know, I received an email this week after, after last Sunday's lesson. It said, said this, said, Jeff, I accept the one race, the idea that the human race descended from Adam and Eve, but one has to notice, recognize, the difference in race when considering the European versus African versus Asian versus et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Think about that. The truth is, friends, from a big picture perspective, everybody has the same skin color. Let that sink in for a moment, okay? Because I know some of you don't believe me. We're all the same in that regard. Get this, okay? There is one basic pigment that determines skin color. You have it, I have it, everybody has it. It's called melanin. Some have more and their skin is shaded darker. Some have less and their skin is shaded lighter. We are not red and yellow, black and white. We're all varying shades of brown. Let me prove it to you. Okay? I'm going to conduct a very simple scientific experiment, the success of which will depend upon your powers of observation. Okay? Everybody ready? Everybody see it? What color is it? Everybody agree? Man, it's a pretty weak response. Does everybody agree this is white? Okay. Okay. Don't give me that. Oh, it, it, it can be whatever you want it to be, Jeff. Okay. <laughs> All right. If you got eyeballs, this is white, right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Anybody out there think I'm white? 
I'm not white, am I? Okay. Now, think about this, friends. The only way that I will ever be white is if I join a Japanese kabuki theater and look like this, or if I join the rock group Kiss. Okay? Just in case you're wondering, that is not natural, that is makeup, okay? All right? And some of you are probably thinking, but wouldn't it take hundreds and thousands, maybe, maybe millions of years of evolution for these differences in skin shade to appear, Jeff? Friends, the genes that we share in the human genome make us all 100% human, regardless of your shade of skin. But different versions of those shared genes can produce variations that make each person's appearance unique. And it can happen in one generation. Get that. Show you. You know what's fascinating about those pictures? They're all twins. Twins. Now, do yourself a favor and don't come up to me and eat your mask if they're identical. Okay? Don't don't do that. (laughs) Bad. All right? Same parents. Very different appearance. Makes me wonder if we shouldn't change that old children's song to go like this. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. We're all different shades of brown, everyone the whole world round. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Let's give it up for Mia, huh? (laughs) So friends, we are created to belong We're created. Every person that walks on this earth is created by God, a relational God, to belong. And what's more, the Bible indicates that we can be adopted to belong. We can belong to God and be a part of his family by adoption. Now, Last week, we defined the word family as follows. Now, it's, it's, it's there in your outline. If you take that out, it's, a, it's, it's in that box at the top where you see the word family in bold print, okay? But last week, we defined this word, and, and this week, we're going to add something to it. Because the word family, as we saw last week, is any group of persons closely related by blood, Okay, that's the first way, and that's, that's the way most people think of family. It's, it's people who are connected by blood, all right? biologically related. Now, the second, the second definition is all those persons considered as descendants of a common ancestor. Think your family tree, you know, and you're, you're, you're a leaf out here, and then you got branches, and then you got the trunk, and, and, and back there some hundreds of years ago, there's that great, 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 great that you all trace your family lineage back to. 
Another definition, which maybe takes into account a little bit our culture shift away from the traditional nuclear family, is a group of persons who form a household. Okay? In other words, it's a group of people, maybe they're not related by blood or don't have a common ancestor, but for whatever reason they choose to make up a household. They all live under the same roof and they, 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 they kind of form an, a family of sorts. But then I want to expand that. Because I think there's a fourth way to define a family, one that we did not cover last week. And it goes like this. To take by choice. To take by choice the child of another as one's own. To take by choice. In other words, it's a voluntary act. I choose this child, and I choose to take this child into my home as my own. When you think about it, adoption is the voluntary and intentional creation of a family bond when there's no blood or ancestral relationship. And when, a, when an adoption is working right, the child becomes as if it were born into the family, okay? Back when I was still full-time practicing law and I, and I, would, and I would, you know, handle adoption cases, Judge Greer would make it very clear to the family, you know what, this is not your adopted child. This is your child. The birth certificate will be changed to reflect you as the parent at the date of this child's birth. Okay? The adoption is over. It's yours. The child takes on the family name. The child, if it's working right, is loved and treated like any naturally born child. And the child inherits equally with any other child of the family. Everything that goes along with being a part of the family is bestowed upon this child. No difference in treatment, no difference in rights as a family member, and no differences in responsibilities. Now you're part of this family. Okay? This family has... An ethic. This family has values. This family has rules. You're a part of this deal now. We are your people. And the Bible indicates that this is God's intention for each and every one of us. How cool is that? To adopt us into his family. Recall our focus verse for this lesson series, which is found in, in a letter called Ephesians in the Bible. And it goes like this. It's up here on the screens. So let's all recite it together. Here we go. You are a member of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. He's saying you. In other words, you and you and you and you and me. Every one of us. We have the opportunity to be a member of God's very own family. And you circle that word there on your outline, belong. You belong. We can be a part of, we can be a member of, we can be included in God's household. God's household, the, the family of God with every other Christian. Now in his letter 
to this church in the town of Ephesus, the Apostle Paul uses this concept of adoption as a way to think of our inclusion in the family of God. And he writes this. He says, all praise to God the Father. And when you think of this, he, he's, he's setting God up as this, the head of our spiritual family. Think of him as the father of our family. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Now, you may, you may have heard me say that and go, wow, what, what is he? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, what in, what in the world does that mean? Think about it. It says, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. In Christ, we have all the benefits of being a part of God's family. We have the benefit of forgiveness. We have the benefit of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. We have the benefit of the power of the Holy Spirit to do God's will in our life. We have the benefit of the gifts that God has given us to enable us to serve in very unique ways and to help the family and help those outside of the family. And we also have the hope of of living forever with Christ. These are blessings spiritual blessings. And when he says spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms, heaven is eternal, right? And these blessings are eternal, just like heaven. But he goes on to say this. Even before he made the world, now get that. Hey, this is, this will boggle your mind. Even before he made the world, God, circle these two words, loved us. Oh, And, circle these two words, chose us. And then circle these two words, in Christ. Think about this. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now, understand what he's saying here. He's saying... Before he ever created the world, he thought of you, and he thought of me, and he loved us, and he chose us, but then it says, in Christ. In other words, not because we deserve his love, or we've earned his love, but in Christ. It says, in Christ, he sees us to be holy and without fault. To be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now, I don't know about you, but it's amazing to me that this mystery is the only way I can describe it of God's grace. And somehow this originated in the timeless, eternal mind of God long before we were even we even existed. But regardless of how we've lived our lives, whatever sins we may have committed, in Christ, God sees us as holy and without fault as if we had never sinned, never messed up. But the critical phrase is in Christ. And he goes on to say, God decided in advance to, circle these two words, adopt us. God decided in advance 
to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. In other words, it's God's desire for every human being, that's you, that's me, that's every person who's ever walked the face of the earth, to be adopted into his family. And friends, that first point on your outline says it this way, I am meant to belong because God has chosen me to be his own son or daughter, whichever fits you. I mean, friends, if if you walk out of Good News Gathering and you don't hear another word I say this morning, I hope you will get this. And that is that before time began, God chose you. He chose you. He loved you and he chose you. The holy, perfect, absolutely morally pure creator of the universe chose you before time began to be a part of his family. Doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter who you've hurt. God still loves you and he chose to adopt you in Christ. And because God is holy and perfect and good, he can be trusted. You know, we hear of children who are adopted and then mistreated or treated as second-class members of the family they're adopted into. But God is not like that. He loves us and he chose us before he created the world. He is the ultimate good father who can be trusted with our strengths and our weaknesses, our hopes and our fears, our sins and our failures, our relationships, our lives. God wants you and he wants me. He wants to take us as his own. But this adoption comes at a price. Paul goes on to say this. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Remember earlier he said he loved us And he chose us in Christ. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. And friends, you and I are meant to belong because God sent his son to make my adoption possible. He sent his son to make my adoption possible. He purchased our adoption into his family with the blood of his son. That's what it means to be in Christ, to have accepted what he did for us. And people wonder, why did God require blood? I mean, what, what is that about? Why did he require a sacrifice as a payment for or the purchase price for sin. Why, why did Jesus have to die on a cross? What's that, what's that about? And friends, we have to understand that sin is an affront to God's holiness, a violation of who he is. He is the author and the creator of life. And the only solution for sin 
which is a violation of who God is, is death. Blood signifies or represents life. I mean, we all know that. How many times have we all used the phrase lifeblood? The lifeblood. Why? Why? Because we know that when, people's, when people lose, lose all their blood, there's no life. And when Christ's blood was poured out on the cross, his blood paid the purchase price for sin so we can be forgiven of our sins. Without what, what, without what Christ did on the cross, you and I could not be adopted into God's family. That's why Paul said, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. It's not that we deserve it. It's not that we've racked up enough good deeds to earn it. It's a gift from God. It's not a reward for good things we've done. But thirdly, my adoption into God's family includes some things. There are some things that come with being adopted into God's family. It goes like this. Paul says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us this life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ. You see, the first thing that my adoption into God's family includes is deliverance from my past. Deliverance from my past. Paul says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and sins, you were outside God's family, which is as good as dead. You might be breathing, you might be existing, you might be living out your daily life, but you're as good as dead. If you're outside the family of God, But God is rich in mercy, and he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And he delivers us from our past of sin. Paul goes on to say this. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Now, if you just step back and look at that paragraph for a moment, one thing you'll quickly realize is that all of the things listed in that paragraph assume a context of relationships, a family dynamic. It's, it's directed at the church. And look at what he's saying. He's, he's urging Christians to live a life worthy of their calling as followers of Jesus Christ. And then he mentions, be humble, gentle, patient, allowing for each other's faults, loving one another, being united, working together in peace. And friends, think about it. You can't develop any of those things in a vacuum. You've got to be around other people to develop humility and patience 
and allow for their faults and love them and be united with them and in peace. And no, the church is not perfect. Otherwise, these qualities would be unnecessary. Human beings will, regardless of how well-intentioned, test us and at times let us down. But God's called us into this spiritual family where we can all grow in love for one another and where we can learn how to forgive others and accept others and be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Not only that, but Paul tells us, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. In other words, not only has he he presented us with a family, but he's also presented us with gifts and talents and abilities that we can use to help the family and to expand the family. You see, that second thing that comes with being adopted is, is we receive a family and a way of life in the present. We not only receive deliverance from the past, but we receive a family and a way of life in the presence, and we receive a family name. We're Christians. And we're in an environment in which we can learn and grow. And it's a way of life, a way of life that involves becoming more like Christ and serving our brothers and sisters and, and being a light in the dark world. There's one other thing. Paul goes on to say this. He says, For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope. Circle those two words if you would. Glorious hope. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. All and he's saying God is supreme over all, both now and for eternity. And wouldn't you want to be a part of his family? But he also says we've been called to a glorious hope. And I want you to think of this glorious hope on two levels, okay? When you're a part of God's family, think of the hope that you have. He calls it a glorious hope for the future, but think about the glorious hope that you have for the future in this life. Think about that. You have hope for the future in this life because you know as a follower of Jesus Christ and a member of God's family that you never walk through anything alone. No matter what life in this life throws your way, you can deal with it. Because you have the Holy Spirit residing in you. You're a part of God's family. I'm not saying life is going to be easy or it's all going to be an easy road, but you can deal with what life brings because you're a member of family God. And not only in this life, but you have the hope, the glorious hope of eternity with Him in the next life. My friends... I hope that as we go through this year, one thing that you will remember, one thing that will stick with you no matter what 2020 brings your way or whatever it may be that we go through as a church family, it's my hope and prayer that every one of us will remember that we were created to belong. Created to belong.
and we're adopted to belong. In Christ, we can become a part of the family of God. Now, friends, I I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey at this point in your life. There's a couple of things I just want to point out to you today that I think will help you or can help you in your spiritual journey. One thing we've got that's coming up next Sunday, and it's, it's called the Picnic on the Patio. And anybody that's begun attending Good News Gathering in the last six months, we invite them to, to have lunch with us uh, in the cafe area immediately after second service. It's a good chance for you to meet the leadership team and the staff of this church and also to have a great meal, but also to hear a brief presentation about Good News, and we'll have you out of here by 1.30. But it's a good opportunity for you to get any questions you may have about this church and why we do things the way we do answered at Picnic on the Patio. And you can sign up for that on your Connect card. Friends, another thing we have is what we call the Get Started class. It's, it's actually a life group that meets at Cheryl and, and my house um, on Sunday evenings, and that's going to begin in February. It's, it usually only goes three to four weeks at the most goes from 6 to 7.30 in the evening, and we just have a great time, and it's a great time for you to ask any questions you have about the faith, and we cover those fundamental beliefs of Christianity. Finally, there on your outline, you see a reference to different Bible reading plans. Most of them you can access uh, electronically. If you prefer paper, we have several different Bible reading plans out at the Welcome Center in paper format. But I would strongly encourage you to begin to read your Bible every day this year because there is no better growth tool than immersing yourself in God's Word. Friends, let's all remember that we were created to belong and we can be adopted to belong in God's family as well. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us and for these words of the Apostle Paul that help us to understand that even before time began, you loved us and chose us in Christ to be adopted into your family. Help us, Father, to wrestle with that If there's anybody here this morning that has not made that decision, it's our hope and prayer that they will put that on the front burner of their life. They'll ask whatever questions they need to ask, but they'll make a decision about your son. For this is our prayer in Christ's name, and we all agreed together and said, amen.